welcome back to another episode of Tea with Janae. I'm your host, Janae Kirshner of Janae Kirshner Photography, and I'm so excited to have you guys here. Tea with Janae is where we give real advice, tangible tips, and thoughtful insight about what it's really like to be a wedding photographer. Today we're chatting with Tanya, aka The Vow Whisperer, all about how she abruptly changed careers and jumped headfirst into the wedding industry. Tanya made the leap to follow her dreams and do what she loved, which is help couples declare their love for one another as a full-time job. She shares her tips and techniques that she used over the last year to make connections, network, and start building her business from the ground up. It's a very interesting episode because we wanted to talk about how if you're in the middle of a career or your life and you decide, you know what, this isn't for me, how would you change and jump into a career that is your true calling? So I think today's episode is really insightful. Tanya shares some great tips, um, and I also think it's inspiring to listen to. So hopefully you take a little inspiration away from today's show. A little bit about the vow whisperer is that Tanya is a licensed officiant, wedding vow, toast, and speech coast based in New York City. The Vow Whisperer helps couples craft the perfect words and coaches each person to deliver their vows flawlessly for the most important performance of their lifetime. A few things to note before we begin, we've got a couple of new things inside the TOHNA shop. We have our investment guide for wedding photographer template and our services guide template for wedding photographers. And I'm really excited about these two templates because these are your way to put your best foot forward when you are talking to potential clients or wedding planners. So if you're a wedding photographer or in the industry, someone reaches out to you and they say, can you send me your you know, rates? Can you send me more information about your services? And then people panic because they're like, I don't have anything ready. I don't know what to put in it. Well, I've taken all of that fear and worry out of the process for you and created these incredible, helpful template guides for you guys. So you can find out more about them at twjanae.com and find out maybe which one is best for you. Also, I wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners for the last year, or if you're new here, thank you for finding us. Thank you for being part of our community. I know that 2020 has been a year to say the least, but I'm so proud of what we've created. We've created, we've recorded almost 50 episodes in a year, which is incredible. Um, our audience has grown uh, three or four times by now, and we've had a wonderful slew of guests. And of course, we're always looking for new guests. So if you know anyone who would be a fit or you want to nominate someone, you can only always email me or DM me. But I want to just take a minute at the end of 2020 and say thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. And I wouldn't be here without you guys. So thank you. All right, enough being mushy. Let's, uh, let's grab a cup of tea and enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited you guys are here. I'm so excited. I have a wonderful guest today. Tanya, can you say hi to everybody? Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. This has been um, a podcast that I have been dying to get on. Oh, I'm so excited. That makes me so happy. Well, I'm really excited for this topic because it's, um, it's a great one and you guys are going to love it. But before we get started, let's introduce you to our listeners. If you can tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your company, and how you got started. Of course. Uh, so my company, my name is Tanya Pushkin. My company is The Vow Whisperer. I've been in business for a year officially, but I actually have been doing this work for about 10 years um, as a gift to friends and then friends of friends, et cetera, et cetera. And essentially it's a service that helps couples write their vows and I coach them on how to say their vows like a pro. And I'm also an efficient, which just came, uh, came by chance out of getting this business off the ground. I started out my career as an actress. I went to Juilliard in the drama division and graduated and landed on Broadway in Amadeus immediately afterwards. I was very, very lucky. And then I had a wonderful career for about 10 years, which was, you know, you never, you never know, even if you have success, you never know when your next gig is going to happen. And after about 10 years, when I uh, had my first child, and then my second, it became evident that there was no security in the acting world and I really had to figure something else out. So I faked my way up the corporate ladder. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I did because I had absolutely no education other than uh, a Bachelor of Fine Arts with some of the requisite, you know, art history or math or whatever it was. But I really did not have a degree in anything else. So I say fake it because that's really what I did. Uh, I joined the luxury world and ran public relations and corporate philanthropy for different beauty and fashion brands up until I quit everything to join the wedding industry. Oh, that's exciting. Well, that's what we're here today. We're talking about, you know, how to get started in a new career and, and join the wedding industry. And I'm so excited for you to share what you learned with our listeners. So, so let's talk about why someone might decide that they want to get into or, or join the wedding industry. Well, why did you join? Well, it was at the, my second wedding was about a year and a half ago. And my husband and I, we each wrote our vows, of course, never discussed it, which is the cardinal rule I have with all my couples is they're never allowed to discuss their vows together because it's got to be top secret until the moment of. So he and I had each written our vows and my daughter officiated. And after the ceremony, so the New York Times covered our wedding in one of their big feature vows of the week and the writer was there and she came up to me after at the reception and she said Tanya I've covered hundreds and hundreds of weddings for the times 
and I've never seen a more beautiful ceremony. And I thought, wow, um, that's amazing. And then the next sentence was, you need to do something with this. So that was my aha moment. And because I had been helping couples for so many years and had been to so many weddings and I just felt, I don't know, I, I loved the industry and a lot of what my prior career had been was doing, was producing events. So the following week after my wedding, I had lunch with one of the guests at the wedding. And I said, what do you think about, you know, what, what if I did this as a full-time gig? And he's the one who said, oh, my God, you are the vow whisperer. (laughs) (laughs) And I went home. I got the URL. And within a month, I quit this big, glamorous, fabulous corporate job I had and just took this massive, courageous risk, which in retrospect was really such a huge move to leave behind what was a pretty successful career, making you know enough money to <laughs> keep me very comfortable and having as many Prada bags as I wanted, to joining an industry where I didn't make any money for quite some time. So it was a very big move, um, but it felt like I had really hit the aha moment. And I feel that every day, especially because it feels like a full circle for me because really what I do every day is coach acting skills. Yeah. Which is how I started. I am coaching my couples because a wedding or let's say the ceremony, I feel, and I think you might agree that a ceremony is really a performance. It's a 20 to 30 minute performance. And it has become more so because of Instagram, because everything is videotaped, because it's this seeking of perfection. And so I say it's a ceremony, or rather it's a performance, because it's, it's, it's two people up there acting so it's a full circle for me and it's feels so right it's the best decision I could make career-wise is doing this work and being part of the wedding industry especially it's a happy world you know I deal with love every day inside out I mean I have I'm surrounded by happiness and of course yes there's some there's some difficult moments that a couple will share with me in their, you know, what they've experienced in their lives. But for the most part, my life is, is really about just dealing with happiness and making people just as joyful and celebratory as possible in the work that I do. Yeah. I love that. I love it. So how did you get started? I mean, you met, you got the, domain, you made a website, but what, you know, what sort of research did you do to sort of find clients and really get your, your toes wet in the the wedding industry? Well, I'll start by saying that I think that even though I thought I had the most brilliant idea that this business was going to hit, it was going to be an overnight success. I was going to be so successful, like boom, immediately 
that was su- such a delusional. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who in their right mind starts a new career at this stage in my life with no clue as to what I was doing? And I thought, okay, well, what do I do first? And yes, I started by building a website. And then once, I mean, a really skeletal website with no content, really. Um, but then the first thing I, I thought of was because of my career in, in public relations, I had a database of contacts of about eleven or 12,000. And I thought, okay, let's start by announcing. And I sent out this announcement and it landed in so many mailboxes that were really like, wow. And one of the first email emails I got back was from a journalist at the Wall Street Journal. And she said, Tanya, you and I have done so much work in the past. But this time, I want to write an article about you and weddings. And I, so right out of the gate, I had an article about me in the Wall Street Journal. And I had no business yet. Wow. So I know. It's crazy. So, but that initial email marketing campaign was really how I started. And people started to send me clients and send me business. And it was all friends, really. Um, so someone who's listening and they don't have, you know, 11,000 names in their right. database, and they're just like, hey, I only have my family or yep. my friends. What would you suggest? Would you say do the sort of same thing on a smaller scale, like just email everybody you know, like, hey, I'm in business now. This is what I do. You know, help. Could you spread yeah. the word? You can start very small. You don't need my my database of God knows how many people. And, and so many of those people, I will admit, I didn't even know they were in my contact list. Um, But start very small because, and that's also, you know, that's how you also find a job. You start small. You ask, you know, you go to your A contacts and you ask to be introduced to their B and C contacts. And it's just, you know, you just keep going and going and going. And I will say net, net, my first year, I have hustled to the point of, almost obsession. It is if you choose to make a career change, whether it's the wedding industry or any industry, you've got to be obsessively dedicated with a tenacity that just does not stop. You can't change careers part-time. You've got to give it your all. And I think one of the first things I did was decide that I needed to be on the wedding wire, on wedding wire and the knot. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually think that that was probably one of the first things I did. And of course, another delusional thing in, on, my, on my end is I thought, oh, no worries, I'll advertise and the business will just blow. Well, the knot had no place to put me. Mm. There, is, there is no other category. And I don't have any competition, which is challenging for me. I'm not a florist. I'm not a photographer with a portfolio. It's not like I can just fit into a category. They had no place to put me. So they stuck me in the efficient category. And then I thought, well, I better become an efficient. (laughs) (laughs) And it's actually become my entry point. Um, 
because I will get hired as, as an efficient and then the, the vow work will happen. It happens a lot. It's not the only way, but it's a big, big way. So the Knot and Wedding Wire, one of the first ways I started. Something else I did that was very difficult in leaving behind the successful career I had, but was having the courage to change my LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. That that was really big because, and I'm I'm a very transparent person, and I'll probably open myself up and you know to your listeners in ways that I hope will resonate. It was it was very difficult for me to make that change on LinkedIn because I felt on one hand that I was failing, that I I was leaving a career behind as if I had failed, and. It just, it took an enormous amount of courage to change that LinkedIn profile. And once I did, business started to happen as well. So that was mm-hmm. another, another, another way in. But then it was really all about networking. And my first year, I reached out to every single vendor I could possibly find in this business. And I must have written, and this was not email marketing, this was not MailChimp, this was individual emails. I probably introduced myself to about three to 4,000 wedding vendors just in the New York area. And it was one-on-one and one-on-one and one-on-one. And there were tons of very discouraging moments because I didn't get a lot of responses. Here I was just cold emailing vendors with a, a business that they had never heard of anything like this. So it took just this obsessive, you know, reaching out and reaching out again and again and starting to get introduced and just never stopping the networking thing. I also, I joined different wedding organizations like WIPA, which is you know what that is. It's Wedding mm-hmm. International Planners Association. And I started to attend events and meeting other vendors. I started to get invited to do podcasts, to do blog posts. Um, I also reached out to influencers on Instagram who were engaged and offering my services for free. And I did a lot of that and started to get more exposure on Instagram. Right, And then I also... Um, because in my DNA, I've done so much corporate philanthropy. It's just, I, I just give back. It, it just comes naturally. And so I, I did some wish upon a weddings, which was just donating my time. I became, um, I'm part of now an organization which I helped partner WIPA with, which is Vow to End Child Marriage, which is... Um, an organization that helps about thir- they're about 13 million girls at a very young age forced into marriage. And that organization is all centered around wedding vendors. So that was another way in. So it's just finding as many avenues in and just never stopping. And yeah, it sounds like you did a lot of things at once, which I think we should just yes, unpack yes, a little bit course. for our Sorry. listeners. <laughs> yeah, I 
No, no, we just covered a I lot. Know. I think it's good good to break it down. Is that one? You went through your database and you you contacted everyone you knew or had worked with for, and you announced that you were starting your own business, which is which is incredible, and you had a good response for right. that. And then you also went in LinkedIn changed your profile, updated it, and then people were contacting you from LinkedIn or were you reaching out to people on LinkedIn no. directly or you were doing, no, no you, so you just changed your LinkedIn profile. Yes, and I have, you know, I've got, I've got a huge LinkedIn um, contact list. So when you change your profile, that announcement goes to everybody. Right, right. I guess I don't use LinkedIn as often. So I'm not like a big LinkedIn person, but I understand the power of it. Like if I were to be looking to change careers, as I hopefully will not be doing, but when I did do it, I remember being like, okay, I'm a wedding photographer now and I want everyone to know it. So I was really proud and excited to say, you know, my company is live. And I also like that you did cold emails and you personally wrote, reached out to 3,000, 4,000 people, mm-hmm. How, what, what would be the percentage you say wrote back? I mean, mm. what do you think? 10%, 3%? Good question. Maybe 10, 15%. And then this, yeah. So that, then I, but then I would keep going. Like two months later, didn't get a response. I would reach back out to that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. So you were definitely dedicated to that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Did you keep like a spreadsheet of people that you were like, okay, having her back, I'm going to follow yes. up. Like what kind of system did you use? A spreadsheet that I have to tell you after about five months I gave up on because it was so much work <laughs> to, to keep the spreadsheet up. It was, you know, thousands of lines of, and it was just, I'm not a spreadsheet person. I'm not a math person. It's mm-hmm. not my thing at all. Excel and I do not get along. And yeah, I gave up on the spreadsheet and just trusted my memory. Right. Yeah. And I like that the, the other thing you did was um, you reached out to people at events. I think networking in person, obviously pre-COVID and post-COVID, are, are really the best way to get in front of an audience is to physically be in the room. I've had a couple people on the podcast, um, Renee Dallow, mm-hmm. um, and my and when we had a big talk, she was like, you want to be in the room where the stuff happens. Right. You want to be at the events over and over again because one – People like, oh, yeah, I know that girl or man. They look familiar. And two, it's sort of like you're getting introduced to people over and over again. And hopefully by the sixth or seventh time, they remember you, you know, and you're like, okay, let's set up a coffee date or a virtual coffee date and let's get to know each other. And I feel like before, for myself personally, before um, COVID, you know, I was doing all the, the networking, going to stuff and WIPA and the knot. And now it's like, well, now it's all mm-hmm. online. You know, I think social media, don't forget about social media. That's really the way you can, you know, get in touch with people when you can't physically get in touch with people. Exactly. Exactly. And I have to say those events, um, I remember one WIPA event, there was a, a wedding planner who came up to me. She said, are you the vow whisperer? <laughs> <laughs> and she's a really big, a big wedding planner. And I knew immediately who she was. And I said, yes. She said, I recognize the curly hair. Hi. (laughs) But this wedding planner literally took me around the room and introduced me to every single person she knew there. And I am so indebted to her. And she's hired me since. Um, But it's people like that who 
just get what you're trying to do. You know, they've been there themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for the people who are listening who are wedding photographers or planners or maybe in a they're not creating their own new categories, that the, the tips that you're sharing are, you know, can work for anybody. Yeah. You know, it's sort of an- announcing your business, connecting with the people you know, and then starting to connect with people you don't know. And hopefully you make that one contact that will open the doors to everybody else. I, I love exactly. that. Exactly. So are there, So are there things where... So now you, you're like a year, year and a half in, and I'd love to hear if you have any perspective of, of things to avoid, things to not do when you're starting over or starting to join a new industry. Um, I will say again, very transparently, it's, it's been a, about a year since I've started to make money, let's put it that way. I, I think that if I were to do it again, I would do it slightly differently and not so obsessively because mm-hmm. I will say that, yes, I talk about the hustle and that I'm talking eight, nine, 10 hours a day, including weekends. I mean, nonstop. I would, I'm at a, almost at a burnt out state stage where that's not healthy. And I think somebody doing this can do it just as well but using their time more effectively. I think I, I overdid it. And I think now what's wonderful is that I can hustle a little bit less because now I'm getting introduced over and over again to other people and it's, it's, it's happening organically. But I would say to anybody, don't do this for eight or nine hours a day, seven days a week. Just breathe a little bit, you know, take some time, walk in the park. You know, I really stopped everything just to make this work. So I would say, slow down. I think another interesting thing I want to ask you is, so when I started Brooklyn View Photography, which I've later renamed to my own name, Janae Kirshner Photography, you know, in the beginning, I was part-time or quarter time, you know, I would do it, um, Actually, that's not true. Let me go back. I, I left my corporate job and then I did Brooklyn View photography for a year. And then I went and I got a part-time job because I wasn't making any money. Then I went full-time about three years in. Okay, that's the timeline. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was, you know, I had to work and make money um, while I was starting my business now, which is full-time. So how, I mean, not to pry, you know, but like you just quitting cold turkey. I mean, did you have a safety net, I mean, a financial safety net that, that was supporting you. No, which was a, another kind of dumb move. Uh, <laughs> no, it really, I mean, I'm telling you, I was delusional starting this business without really thinking everything through. I just felt like I'd had this aha moment that I just needed to follow. I had this passion that I was, I was going to make that happen. And no, I had to, I had to ask my husband to, are you okay covering the, you know, my share of the expenses for a while until I can make this happen. And it has not been easy, not by any stretch of the imagination, because I had come from making, you know, very good money. And yes, I did have some savings, of course, of which I have gone through quite a bit. So 
I say to anybody, start out, but do it smartly. I did, I did not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I think having a cushion and, or having at least, um, you know, the help of a spouse or a partner or family is always uh, valuable. I know for myself, I've shared that my husband, you know, he encouraged me to take the first year and he would support us. But if I didn't make a profit, you know, I had to get a job, you know, having a clear communication right. about your expectations, you know, can you, can you make it or can you not? And I think I, so, so I, I think, think that's good. You know, there are plenty of people who don't have that luxury and, you know, right. so then keep, you know, keep your day job, definitely keep your day job right. and do the hustle, you know, at night or on the weekends or until you feel comfortable enough with this business. Now, the other thing is most people don't create a new category in the wedding industry. I mean, that's another thing that, like I said before, I'm not a florist or a photographer or a planner. I I was creating a new category and that's even harder, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's also pretty incredible. Well, incredible in that, yes, it's a new category, but nobody knows that there's a service out there unless they're, they're told, you know, and I, I rely very much on, especially a wedding planner and a photographer, actually, because the photographer is very often the first vendor who's booked or the wedding planner. First or second. second. Yeah. But I feel like photographers have the most intimate relationship with a couple. They're doing those engagement photographs. They're really getting to know that couple. And so is the wedding planner. So it's either one of those two vendors who usually are the ones who refer me. And the way the conversation happens is, you know, have you thought about your ceremony? Are you thinking of writing your own vows? Do you know who's going to marry you? And that's how the, how the conversation starts. And it leads to, I know exactly who can help you. And that's really how, I, I'm just reliant on that more than anything else, more than the hustle that I'm doing. Well, it's because of the hustle that I'm now getting those referrals. Right. Right. So I know that, you know, the wedding industry, um, we're definitely going through our own moment. Yes. <laughs> uh, COVID has uh, definitely put the brakes on weddings and or at least slowed it down a little yeah. bit, a lot, you know, definitely at a slower pace. I'm wondering, you know, do you, I guess, have any uh, advice or, you know, is there anything you can share with our listeners who are, you know, trying to start their own businesses now or, you know, should they do it now or should they wait till, till it's better out a time out there? And the reason is because I feel that if you're going to do that hustle with other wedding vendors, they have more downtime, unfortunately, now to pay attention to you. And, you know, if it's, if it were hypothetically, you know, the middle of wedding season, which is when I started, by the way, pre-pandemic in the middle of wedding season, that was the other kind of stupid move. I was reaching out to all these (laughs) vendors in June and July. I mean, that's just not very smart. You know, of course, of course (laughs) they're not going to respond. I mean, yeah, another, like, really, I did not think this through, but I would say, no, Think of your business now, start it now, why not? And I do think that no matter what, people are still getting married. I think that 
vendors who are working now are, you know, they've scaled their businesses down because, you know, you can only have wherever you are. I don't know. I mean, 10 people or no people or in Georgia, you can have 300 people. I mean, it's, it's crazy how it's different state by state. But absolutely start now because, again, sadly, there is a lot more free time that vendors have to pay attention to that email coming into their inbox. Right, exactly. But I think it's a good point is that people can actually, maybe they can't see you in person or you can do it socially distant, but they, they'll definitely have more time to look at your email or your DM you know, or your, you know, your instant message on uh, Facebook or something and be like, all right, you know, maybe, maybe it's a good time to look at someone who offers your services right. or, or, you know, get to know you a little bit better. So I, and, I like that. You know, and the other That's thing great. is that once you've made a few connections, you just need a few because I'm, I'm a connector. And that's what I've always done is I connect people. I meet somebody. So oh, you've got to know this one. You've got to know that one. And I have come you know, I've been very fortunate that there are some wedding vendors who have sh done unbelievable things for me. You know, I have one who she she spent the time she introduced me to about 30 other vendors. She took a t the time to like write an email to every one of them. And there are people who really do that. You know, it's in their blood. It's it's a, it's the that element of kindness that they have, that they want to help other people out. And I, you know, I was, I was lucky in that I've had that and I continue to have that, um, which is, you know, just start small. Don't expect like I did <laughs> this instantaneous, <laughs> you know, um, because it does not happen overnight. Yeah, but I think what our listeners should take away is that you had the the tenacity and the hustle and the drive to make it happen. You believed so strongly in your passion and, and your new calling that you tried a lot of different avenues and, and you made it work. You made it happen. And, and that's really incredible. And I will, so oh, thank sorry. you. No, no. I oh, sorry. Say, go ahead. <laughs> I was say the other thing is Instagram, of course. Um, starting the Val Whisper Instagram with zero followers and not wanting to buy any, you know, I'm, I now have a grand total of 1100, but they're organic. They've happened, you know, uh, on their own. And that was the one thing I did was um, hire someone to help me with Instagram because it's a beast and people find you on Instagram. They, that's the first thing they do is look at Instagram and it's not your website. It's, your social media presence. So I put a lot of time into, you know, I did not have my own content for the first three, four months. I had to, you know, I was mm -hmm. stealing everybody else's contact content and repurposing it with some cute caption or, you know, whatever it was and tagging more and more vendors and, you know, getting, getting up to speed that way. Um, so yeah, that was the other thing. Sorry. I forgot to mention Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, that's great. No, I think Insta we have plenty of uh, podcasts right. about Instagram. Um, Menu is uh, fantastic. and She's my Instagram coach and a couple mm. other people. But yeah, if you're looking for Instagram help or, you know, it's always good to outsource when you're starting out or if you're stuck, you know, I mean, Instagram, you're right. Yeah. It's a beast. It's a time commitment. It's a time yes. suck. 
And I think, you know, you have to find your strategy. And then once you find your strategy, Instagram changes something and then you have to make a right. new one. So you really have to be very, very dedicated to, to, to Instagram. And yeah, that is, we've had a couple of uh, podcasts about this, but people go to your Instagram first. Mm-hmm. If they like what they see, then they go to your right. website. And then if they like your website, they will contact exactly. you. So they really go hand in hand. The, all, all three of them have to be coordinated. They have to look the same. It has to be your brand. It has to feel like you and your, and that client has to fall in love with it to say, can we set up a meeting? Exactly. So I, I, I agree with that exactly. 100%. Well, Tanya, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Let's tell everybody. Yeah. Let's tell everybody how they can find out more about you, your work and say hello online. Can you share your website and your uh, Instagram? So it's thevowwhisperer.com. Instagram is thevowwhisperer. And uh, yeah. That's perfect. Great. Awesome. So I will post all this information in the show notes. You guys could just swipe on up right now and give Tanya a say hello and tell her that you listen to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Really love this. Thank you. Well, that's it, you guys. Thanks so much for being here and listening to today's show. I hope you liked today's episode. I want to give a huge shout out and a big thank you to our guests. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your tips and tricks and invaluable advice. We love you guys. Be sure to check out all their links and information in the show notes. You can find out more about them and their services and give them a shout out online and on Instagram. If you're listening, take a screenshot, share it with your, um, in your Instagram stories, tag at Janae Kirshner and I'll share it in line. Can't wait to hear from you guys soon and share our next cup of tea together. Bye.